This is Sparks and Wiry Cries, taking a modern look at classical song with Martha Guth and Erica Switzer. Welcome to Sparks and Wiry Cries. We are your hosts, Martha Guth and Erica Switzer. We have a big treat for you today. These are a group of ballads by Carl Löwe. They're performed by bass baritone Shen Yang and Vlad Iftinka. These performances are inspirational, exciting, and impeccable. Carl Löwe is a composer's name that we don't hear all that often. He was a conductor, an organist, he sang, he had a baritone voice, and he wrote a lot of ballads. He was born in 1796, so just a year before Schubert, and he died in 1869. Born the twelfth and youngest child of a cantor and schoolmaster, in 1807, he became a choir boy in Kutten, which is one of Bach's cities, and he later studied at the Franke Institute in Halle, which is where Handel was born. In 1814, he became organist at a local church. In 1817, he enrolled at University of Halle to study theology and philology, though his main energies continued to be devoted to music. In 1819, and 1820, Löwe paid visits to Dresden, Weimar, Jena. He made the acquaintance of Weber, Goethe, and Hummel. And in 1821, he became music director of the city of Stettin. That is a town which is now in Poland. At the time, it was part of Prussia, and it's located about two hours northeast of Berlin. He worked in Stettin for over 40 years. He retired in 1866 following a rather lengthy illness. He spent the last years of his life in Kiel in northern Germany, but his heart was buried near the organ in the church in Stettin. That's weird. It's a little odd, yeah. but it's kind of sweet. I guess, yeah. Right? But his heart belonged to, belonged to the, 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 to the, the 40 years that he had spent there. Yeah. yeah. He has a fabulous biography, and if you want to read, there are all kinds of delightful details. He, he traveled a lot around Europe. He met um, the superstar singer Jenny Lint when he was on a trip to London. Very cool. So, yeah, so he traveled as composer and as singer and as, as everything. He really did. He was a true Renaissance man in that, in that sense. We found this great quote in Grove Music Online about Leuve, uh, the singer. As a singer, Löwe excelled in the performance of his own songs. Contemporary accounts praise his imposing presence and his fine, well-honed baritone voice. He sang others' songs only infrequently, but his Gesanglehre, or vocal manual, which ran to five editions, provides some insight into his overall approach to the art and remains a useful source for contemporary vocal practice. Yeah, I feel like I want to take a good look at that, yeah would probably inform a lot of choices that a singer might want to make singing any of that repertoire. Any, yeah, in, any in of that classical, any of Schubert, any of his songs. And definitely a lot of people say that he rivals Schubert in his skill. He is sometimes called the Schubert of the North, of Germany, that is. Um, and you mentioned earlier that he was a ballad writer, and it is exactly what he is most known for. But we should, we should talk about what a ballad is exactly. Right. So a ballad is basically a form of verse that is then set to music. And these stories that are told in the form of poetry have a, a long tradition, an oral tradition of passing on generation to generation. And the stories often have different 
histories. You can you can trace the story in different directions. But when they present themselves in the song, usually it's been it's been transitioned through the hands of a poet. Right. So you get these these really important literary figures, these poets like Robbie Burns, Sir Walter Scott, William Wordsworth, who've taken this oral tradition and heightened it in some way into this beautiful form that uh, often rhymes. Um, I think probably the most famous and the one that we all had to learn as a child was uh, Coleridge's Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. That's a perfect example of a lyrical ballad. Right. And in Germany at the time, Goethe and Schiller were two poets who wrote a lot of ballads. And uh, similarly in Germany, children have to memorize these long ballads. And talk about threatening when you sing a 25-minute Schubert song that's one ballad that every German child has memorized yep, and trying to remember those words. <laughs> and just to sort of like contemporize it a little bit, this is also a form that is used in pop music and rock and jazz all the time still today. The first song that we're going to hear is Tom der Reimer. The poet is Theodor Fontane, and Lewis set this poem in 1860. The story is an old Scottish ballad, a 13th century legend, and who is Tom der Reimer? Tom Reimer of Erseldun was said to have visited the land of fairy and returned with the gift of prophecy and a tongue that could not lie. Many of Thomas's predictions are in circulation, though only a few are precisely dated or can be tied to specific events. Perhaps the most famous prophecy dates from 1286, the year that Alexander III of Scotland died. The day before Alexander's death, he forecast that before the next day at noon, such a tempest shall blow as Scotland has not felt for many years. When the next day proved clear, Thomas was taunted, but his forecast proved true. Scotland would not again see peace until after the Battle of Bannockburg in 1314. So we have a metaphorical tempest here. He sounds kind of like a Scottish Nostradamus. <laughs> <laughs> we should find out what some of the other prophecies are to see if they've come true in that yeah. case. Do you want to read the poem for us? Sure. Here is uh, Tom der Reimer. The Reimer Thomas lay by the brook the pebbly brook by Huntley Castle. There he spied a fair-haired lady who sat upon a white horse. She sat upon a white horse with a finely braided mane, and brightly on each plate there hung a bright silver bell. And Tom the Rhymer took off his hat and fell to his knees, greeting her, You are the queen of heaven. You are not of this world. The fair-haired lady stopped her horse. I will tell you who I am. I am not the maid of heaven. I am the queen of elves. Take your harp and play and sing and let your best songs resound. But if you kiss my lips, you will be mine for seven years. So be it. Seven years, O queen, to serve you, that hardly daunts me. He kissed her and she kissed him and a bird sang in the ash tree. Now you are mine. Now come with me. Now you are mine for seven years. They rode off through the green woods how happy the rhymer was. They rode off through the green woods as birds sang and the sun shone, and whenever she pulled lightly on her reins, the little bells rang brightly. And ringing the little bells brightly, we have Vlad Iftinka. And I just wanted to say that the piano starts the piece in this very sort of rolling, pebbly brook-themed music, and it's so charming. There's this kind of 
old-fashioned uh, Renaissancean formality going on, a sort of noble aesthetic, but it's poetically so flexible, and I, I think it's, it's charming, but uh, the first time I listened to it, I, I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop. I know, where's, where's the bad part? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, playing all of the good parts for us, singing all the good parts for us, we have Shen Yang bass baritone and Vlad Iftinka pianist. This is Tom Der Reimer by Karl Löwe.
25-year-old bass baritone Shen Yang was the winner of the 2007 BBC Cardiff Singer of the World competition. And if that weren't enough, because I think it is, right. he also won the 2008 Borletti Butoni Trust Award, the first prize at the International Opera Competition in Verona, the 2007 Verona Orfeo Singing Competition, the 2005 Verona Don Giovanni Singing Competition. He's from China, and he studied at the Shanghai Conservatory of Music. He's currently enrolled at the Metropolitan Opera's Lindemann Young Artist Development Program and at the Juilliard School's Opera Center. He's sung under conductors such as Daniel Berenboim, Ivar Bolton, James Conlon, Louis Langre, James Levine, John Nelson, and Antonio Papano. He is going to be famous. That's all I have to say. <laughs> I think he's well on his way. Yeah. <laughs> the next song that we're going to hear is Erlkönig. Where the shoe actually does drop. It's true. It has a terrible ending. Sorry to give that away right Darn at the beginning. <laughs> Goethe wrote this poem as a part of a ballad opera called Die Fischerin, or The Fisherwoman. Lovis set this poem in 1818, three years after Schubert's, and it's taken from his first collection of ballads. So when Goethe wrote this, this libretto, uh, Die Fischerin, he intended that the poem should arrive in the opening number. Um, and what happens in the story of Die Fischerin is this, the character of Dortchen, a woman who keeps the house for her dad and who is betrothed to another fisherman, Niklas, thinking that she's insufficiently appreciated. She hides, leaves her father and her boyfriend, and when they return, they think that she's been drowned. They summon the neighbors to search, but she reappears and all is well. But apparently she sings this ballad, the Earl King, right at the beginning as this kind of, I don't know, opening show tune. <laughs> the very first musical setting of it was in fact an eight-bar melody that was written by the first actor to sing the part of Dorchen, and that is Corona Schröter. She plays the fisherwoman, as I just said, and she in fact composed all of the music for the ballad opera. And what is an Earl King, if you might ask? <laughs> 
The Ale King is the king of the spirits in Northern and Scandinavian mythology who works ruin and mischief, especially on children. His appearance is an omen of death that only appears to the one about to die. It is said that his form and expression tells what kind of a death he or she will die. A pained expression is equal to a painful death. Who's riding so late through night so wild? It is the father who's holding his child. He's tucked the boy secure in his arm. He holds him tight and keeps him warm. My son, why hide you your face in fear? See you not, father, the elf king near. The elf king in his crown and train. My son, tis but a foggy strain. Sweet, lovely child, come, go with me. What wonderful games I'll play with thee. Flowers most colorful, yours to behold. My mother, for you, has garments of gold. My father, my father, and can you not hear what the elf king is promising into my ear? Be calm, stay calm, O child of mine. The wind through dried leaves is rustling so fine. Wouldst thou, fine lad, go forth with me? My daughters should royally wait upon thee. My daughters conduct each night their song fest to swing and to dance and to sing thee to rest. My father, my father, and can you not see? The elf king's daughter is there by the tree. My son, my son, I see it clear, the ancient willows so gray do appear. I love thee, I'm aroused by thy beautiful form, and be thou not willing, I'll take thee by storm. My father, my father, he's clutching my arm. The elf king has done me a painful harm. The father shudders and onward presses. The gasping child in his arms he caresses. He reaches the courtyard and barely inside he holds in his arms the child who has died. Goethe's inspiration for the story may have come from personal experience. The story goes like this. He was visiting a friend when, late one night, a dark figure carrying a bundle in its arms was seen riding past the gate at high speed. The next day, Goethe and his friend were told that they had seen a farmer taking his sick son to the doctor. Sounds like there's a definite possibility that there could have been a link. Yeah. It's impossible to listen to this song and not think about Schubert's setting of the same text. Sure. They have an awful lot in common, but they are also, of course, different. Uh, Schubert's piece is defined by the repeated octaves in the right hand of the piano's, uh, the piano part, uh, and they, they propel the song in a, in a very dangerous way towards its final ending. And Löw, in his way, chooses something similar, but it is not as threatening. It's, it's got a, it's, I think he captures the rustling wind in the piano more than the pounding of the heart of the child. Mm -hmm. This energy keeps the story going and it sets each of the characters' voices with the same figure, but in a different color, in a different setting. And I think it's, it's beautifully done and it's a shame that we don't know it as well as, as Schubert's setting, I think. I agree. This is Karl Lover's Erlkönig. Fast 
Pianist Vlad Iftinka is currently part of the 2009-2010 Metropolitan Opera Music Staff roster and is also the staff music coach for the Lindemann Young Artist Development Program. He was born in Romania and received his primary education at the Reina Sofia School of Music and the Real Conservatorio in Madrid, Spain. He pursued additional studies at Manus College, the New School for Music, and at Juilliard. He's collaborated with uh, singers Hai Kung Hong, Tom Hampson, Shen Yang, Isabel Leonard, uh, pianist conductor Leon Fleischer, violinist Jose Luis Garcia Asensio. And this past summer, Mr. Iftingo was featured in the Metropolitan Opera's 2009 Summer Recital Series. 
Other recital engagements have included performances at Alice Tully Hall, recitals in LA and San Fran, and appearances at the Hong Kong Arts Festival. He's performed all over. He's also been part of the music staff at the Renata Scotto Opera Academy in Westchester, New York. Uh, and also very cool is that he's recorded the complete works for four hands and two pianos of Joaquin Rodrigo, and that was with a Spanish colleague and pianist Consuelo Martin Colinet, um, which was released in 1999. The final song that we're going to hear today is Odin's Meeresrit, or Odin's Sea Ride. And Odin, who is he? Chief god in Norse mythology related to Germany's Wotan. He is associated with wisdom, war, battle and death, and also magic, poetry, prophecy, victory, and the hunt. J.R.R. Tolkien related his character Gandalf in The Lord of the Rings to Odin. I think that might be part of the reason why I kind of love these songs now because I loved reading fantasy books as a child and so these ballads really get under my skin. I love the stories and I love watching them come to life. Uh, at any rate, it is said that Odin traveled the world in a wide-brimmed hat so as not to be recognized. And that definitely relates to the Gandalf uh, mm -hmm. relationship that yeah. you're talking about. He's also supposed to be a shapeshifter. So he's got all these really, really cool um, representations. So Norse mythology was... Uh, handed down, of course, orally for generations, and it was very popular with the Vikings in the 8th and the 9th century. He was known as the father of the slain. He built Valhalla, that was a place for the slain and the fallen heroes to fight alongside the gods in an attempt to save the gods in the final battle of Ranyarok, and I hope I'm pronouncing that correct. But that battle, however, was supposed to be predestined. It was the death of the gods, also seen in Wagner's Götterdämmerung, or Twilight of the Gods. He loved to cause conflicts and shifts in power, and he was the wisest. Um, what I find really interesting also about all of these myths and stories is that every time an invading army um, usurps another country that has these myths, they also usurp their mythology. And in this case, when the Romans invaded the northern lands, Odin was assumed to be the god Mercury, otherwise known as Hermes, or the messenger, or leader of souls. When Christianity began to influence these, these Germanic countries, the idea of Ranyarok was what the Judgment Day became. It's incredible how all these histories just interweave with them, yeah. with each other. Master Olaf, the smith of Helgoland, leaves his anvil in the middle of the night. The wind is howling at the seashore, and there is a powerful knocking at his door. Come out, come out, shoe my steed, I have far to go, and day is near. Master Olaf unlocks the door, and an impressive rider stands before him. Black is his armor, helmet, and shield, and at his hip hangs a broadsword. His black steed tosses its mane wildly and stamps the earth with impatience. Where do you go so late? Why so fast? In Nordene I stayed yesterday. My horse is swift, the night is bright, and I must be in Norway before the sun. If you had wings, then I'd gladly believe it. My black steed runs like the wind, but the stars are growing pale, so come with the shoe and make it quick. Master Olaf takes the shoe in his hand, and it is too small, but it begins to grow. And as it grows into the hoof, he is seized by fear and dread. The rider mounts, and his sword clanks. Now, Master Olaf, good night. Well, have you shooed Odin's steed? I hurry now to bloody battle. The black steed darts forth over land and sea, and around Odin's head light glows. 
Twelve eagles fly behind him, and they fly swiftly, but do not reach him. I found a continuation of this legend, and it's according to Wilhelm Wegner in his book, Tales and Traditions of Our Northern Ancestors, and I thought it might be kind of nice to read this. Um, it continues, he now began to sing in magic words of the stream of time, the spirit that works in it of birth and of the passage to eternity. And all the time the storm wind roared and the waves dashed upon the shore, there was a harp-like accompaniment to the song. He who has ever heard that music straightway forgets his home and his cravings for the hearth, the sailor on the foaming water, the traveler in the valley and the shady grove. He rides off to victory in battle on his newly shod steed. In the telling of this story, the music has become very sectional and is crowned by a final heroic and virtuosic section for the piano uh, as Odin takes flight. Here we have Shenyang bass baritone pianist Vlad Iftinka and Karl Lover's Odin's Meeresrit. <laughs> Feel. 
Always many thanks to our mythological producer Matthew Principe, and thank you too to Shen Yang and Vladif Tinka. Many of our performers have websites or web presence, and for more information, you can go either to sparksandwirecries.com, marthaguth.com, or ericaswitzer.com. You've been listening to Sparks and Wiry Cries. We're your hosts, Martha Guth and Erica Switzer. <laughs>